Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. So, Bonnie Henry, Provincial Health Officer, has an event at 1130 here. What's coming up? Yeah, so Dr. Bonnie Henry, Dr. Penny Baum, who's the head of the vaccination rollout program and Health Minister Adrian Dix. No real news is anticipated, but uh, they are going to bring attention to the fact that we've all been doing stories on the huge lineups in uh, ERs, particularly at Children's Hospital, particularly with people with young children. And one big reason for it is, and we're going to hear this at 1130, is very few parents have got their kids vaccinated against the flu. Only 15%, I'm told, of kids under 12 have received a shot. Uh, And those are the uh, largely, not entirely, but largely the kids who are going into emergency rooms right now because they have a severe case of the flu and a lot of parents don't have access to pain medication. You put those two together and it results in people visiting the ER because their kid has a high fever, uh, which is very problematic for a young kid if you have a fever over 100. So that's 1130. Like I say, it's basically to draw attention to the fact and encourage parents to get their kids vaccinated. Also, I think they're going to disclose that there's a whole bunch of uh, sort of walk-in or pop-up clinics are going to be established on the weekend uh, in various communities around the BC and again to encourage kids, parents to get their kids vaccinated. Okay, let me ask you about uh, BC Premier David Eby and could he call an early election? This is something we've talked about earlier. And I started, it started going through my mind that, man, I don't know, it looks like maybe he's thinking about pulling the trigger here in an election because it almost looks like he's in campaign mode. The way he's been campaigning well, he, lately, he's sitting on a mountain of money. They got what a four billion dollar surplus, five point seven billion dollar wow, like, plus another five billion in contingencies and forecast allowances. You know, he and, could beat he could beat the liberals to the punch before they change their name to the BC United Party and force them to campaign what, under the old party. He and, is in campaign mode, but he's in campaign to get himself established as a household name. You know, yeah. up until. Recently, very few people actually knew who David Eby was. I mean, the, when you think about it, the people who get the lion's attention of the of the media coverage in this NDP government were John Horgan and only two ministers, Health Minister Adrian Dix and Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth. Those are the two well-known faces of this government. I think people on the street would be hard-pressed to name another cabinet minister uh, associated with this government. And that's not unusual. Uh, this goes right back to since I started covering politics. I remember the Socreds used to run, uh, conduct polling, who is well-known in the government. Well, nobody in the Van Der Zam government, no one knew who was in the government except for Van Der Zam, uh, and maybe Grace McCarthy. Uh, in Harcourt, uh, you know, I remember they commissioned a poll and showed Harcourt. Everybody knew who Harcourt was because he was the premier. And young cabinet ministers like Glenn Clark and Mo Sahota were upset because they didn't resonate with the public. No one Nobody, knew who they were. No one knew who they were. <laughs> yeah. Over time, they did. But yeah. David Eby, you know, the AG didn't get a lot of press in the in the last five years. It was even because, though he did all that ICBC stuff. But the pandemic crowded everything out. Uh, Remember, it's uh, we've been three years in this pandemic, and that just pushed everything to the side. He got he got some you know, he got some notoriety for sure with the ICBC stuff. Right. I'm not saying he was completely unknown. 
But my, I'm told that this is all a campaign to get him himself known as the face of this government. And that's why you see him at every announcement along with his ministers. Yeah. The ministers aren't taking the lead here. They're all acting as MCs to a David Eby event. Yeah. But I don't see any sign of him calling an early election. Okay, here he is speaking on the weekend. He's speaking to Rob Shaw here from Czech TV. And this may be the, the clearest comment he's given to date here on whether he will call an election or not. Here is David Eby. A lot of British Columbians, uh, and not one has said, you know what I really would like right now from the government is a provincial election. Uh, we have a, a mandate from British Columbians uh, to do the work that we're doing, uh, to deliver for them on these essential public services, to build a strong economy for everybody, uh, and to address the issue of housing. Uh, and we have two years uh, left in our mandate to do that work. Okay, so I thought he painted himself into a pretty good corner there that he won't do it. He won't yeah, and he said this before. He has no intention of calling an early election. Now, does that rule out a fall of 2023 or a spring of 2024? The next one is scheduled for the fall of 2024. Right. But every minister and caucus member I talk to have really emphasized the fact they like being in government. And why would we give up two years in more, two more guaranteed years of being in government for a roll of the dice? Yeah. So I just don't see it happening. I mean, they like being in government. And also, I think the betting is that the economy will turn around by the time we get uh, closer to 2024. Right now, and a lesson learned from the municipal elections, you don't want to go near the electorate right now. They're they're looking to punish people. And uh, a lot of mayors and councils paid the price. And I think that's the same would happen to the NDP government where they call an early one. I had an interesting discussion with our first guest today, Trevor Bolin, who is the mm-hmm. leader of the BC Conservative Party. And people may not they probably don't know who that guy is, oh, that's right, for sure. For sure. Um, but there is a B.C. Conservative Party out there. He's the leader of it. He's a city councillor in Fort St. John. And we talked about what's going on next door in Alberta with this Alberta Sovereignty Act that has caused a political firestorm there. Here's Danielle Smith, the Alberta Premier, speaking on the weekend, indicating like maybe she's getting set to do a little climb down here on this <laughs> Sovereignty Act. Here's what she had to say. I am absolutely open to having revisions and amendments to it because, look, you, you never get things uh, 100% right all the time. Your thoughts? Well, this is ridiculous. I mean, this was her flagship, a cornerstone of her entire leadership was this act yeah. she's been talking about for months. She brings it in. It's so full of holes and this clauses that gives her arbitrary power to change laws. And yeah, the to, cabinet can change laws yeah, that have been and, passed and, by the legislature. And direct... Um, provincial entities to ignore federal laws. And she says, oh, yeah, maybe we got a bit wrong. You'd think you'd do your homework and make sure you brought in a law that did not need a huge amount of amendments or revisions. This was, again, this was her number one priority, her chief piece of legislation, and it's so full of holes. It's, uh, talk about a climb down. Um, it's, it's embarrassing. It sounds like she says she'll do an amendment to it, but she won't withdraw the bill. Oh, she won't withdraw. It doesn't sound like she'll withdraw the bill. No, yeah. But she seems to be willing to amend the heart of the bill. Yeah. Uh, again, you'd think they do their homework ahead of time. She also said that, I hope we don't have to use this bill, and I hope that Justin Trudeau gets the message now to back off, leave <laughs> Alberta alone. Well, she's not so, making... I mean, is that the purpose of this? Is like symbolic? But back, or... off, back off what? I mean, Alberta is the only province that has, doesn't have a sales tax. Yeah. You know, they've got the highest incomes. They're not they're not being um, poorly treated by Ottawa. Well, she's saying leave our guns alone. They, they don't like the gun legislation. Um, they don't like, an, you know, anti-pipeline environmental laws. Well, there are, but 
the Trudeau government bought a pipeline. Well, yeah. There's no. They, they want more of them. There, there's no anti. There's no pipeline issue here with uh, with the federal government when they they back the Trans Mountain pipeline. Um, so again, it's hard. She's she's sort of tilting at windmills when okay. it comes to this this phobia about the uh, Ottawa government. Okay, closer to home. This is really interesting to me. The fight over the Stanley Park bike lane. So you've got this new park board in power now. They've promised to cancel the bike lane. They're going to scrap it. Now, tonight at the park board meeting, there will be protests by Vancouver cyclists. Save the bike lane. So they've got their own website now, lovethelane.ca. They want to save the bike lane. I don't think they're going to be able to save this bike lane. I don't now, think so either. Have a listen to Kareem Alam here now. He is the transition chair for the ABC party, which is now in control of the park board. Here's what he told me on an earlier show. We will be immediately shutting down uh, the temporary bike lane, reopening the park to its original vehicle traffic route, um, and then in the longer term, uh, put together a plan, an engineered plan for a permanent bike lane that doesn't take away vehicle access. That last part is important. They're saying that they're going to bring in another bike lane later that doesn't, you know, doesn't restrict vehicle access into the well, park. Well, we'll see how they can do that. I mean, I do think public sentiment is on the side of getting rid of the bike lane, but there's an ardent cyclist community. But, you know, if, if uh, reestablishing a bike lane does that mean cutting down some trees in Stanley that's, Park? That's it. And that's you want to you want to start messing with people, start talking about cutting down trees in Stanley Park. Yeah, yeah. He did tell me that we think that we've got engineers on staff. We're working on this now. Yeah. We think we can put a bike lane in and not have to cut down any trees. I'm like, okay, well, I remember I'd like to this, see that. this goes back years ago, back when we had night sittings, and when we I would have to cover night sittings as a sort of junior Vancouver Sun reporter here. And they'd have debates and have to follow a story. And one time, one night, a social credit cabinet minister stood up and talked about knocking down a few trees in Stanley Park to put another lane uh, through Stanley Park. Really? <laughs> put that on the front page. Uh, just firestorm. He had to back off. Uh, and I think he attributed his speech to a bit of imbibing at oh. the night sittings in, oh. in offices and poker games. So, But when you talk about... A firestorm. Start talking about knocking down trees in Stanley Park, and if that's what has to happen to establish a bike line, you haven't seen a controversy yeah. like that. I ain't seen yet. nothing yet. Okay. All right. It's Baldry's beat. Phone lines are open six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight star ninety eight ninety eight toll free in your cell. This Stanley Park bike lane was supposed to be temporary. That was two years ago. They set it up as a kind of a COVID measure. They also tried to say it was a. It was a climate change measure, trying to get cars off the road. The problem was you had so many cars backed up in traffic trying to get into the park. They were just belching smog into the atmosphere. Yeah. I don't see how that's good for climate change. No, a lot of cars basically idling in motion there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I don't think this park board is going to back down one bit on it. The other thing they pointed out was, okay, this was a, this is not a commuter bike lane. This is, people are not using this bike lane to get to work. This is like a recreational bike Scenic. lane, which is fun. I mean, and they said they do acknowledge it. It was successful in the summer. A lot of people are using it. There are mm -hmm. families out there using it. So that's why they're saying we're not against a bike lane. We just don't want to take away a lane of traffic to do it. So we'll build it somewhere else somehow. Yeah, and so. Stanley Park is a commuter route. And yeah. You go over the Lionsgate Bridge from North End. Rob and Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Hi, good morning, guys. Hey, Keith, I got to disagree with you 100%. Uh, for, okay, I'll, I'll say this. I don't agree with how Danielle Smith is going about the Sovereignty Act of Alberta, all that. But 
You say you say Ottawa doesn't have really anything or isn't hindering them. Sorry, look at they have hindered investment in that province. I, I have never seen this in my life. It's crazy. They're hindering fertilizer production, and we wonder why why we're paying so much. To, guys, this is all going to be factored into the cost of everything. I mean, Ottawa's got to keep their nose out of it. It's not their jurisdiction. They have the right to. Uh, manage their own natural resources. Yeah, but do they have the, do they have the right to say we're not going to enforce federal laws? Well, I well, how come Trudeau has the right to butt into their business then? You well, it's, it's, con- it's the constitution of the country and, and jurisdictional power separations and and decisions of the Supreme Court. Yeah. Well, okay, but but Chief Daniel Smith is the premier of the province, and it says right in there they have the right to uh, manage their own resources. When we have a an environment minister like Stephen Gibo, the writing's on the wall, guys. Uh, I mean, we're going to be, when you, when you go to the store and you pay $9.50 for a half tub of margarine, it, it's all okay. factored right, in, well, guys. It's, it's okay, thank, thank you for the call. I think Rob, <coughs> Rob is a little uh, exaggerating there. However, he raised one interesting point there. He talked about fertilizer. Yeah. Now, Ottawa is not crimping the production of fertilizer, but there is this rule that's coming in that uh, requires the reduction of emissions from the use of fertilizer. Yeah. Fertilizer is a major component of agriculture, and it's, not, it's got implications not just for Alberta but for B.C. and Ontario particularly when it comes to the production of food. And uh, we've seen protests in Europe that are quite theatrical, but uh, farmers in Holland and in, in parts of Europe are protesting the same rules, saying it's basically going to drive up the cost of food. And we'll see. It's just starting to play out in, in in Canada. We haven't seen it yet, but food already is on the increase. If we start seeing a real increase in f- uh, cost of food because of these new rules tied to fertilizer, yep. it's going to get very interesting. Mary on the line in Sydney. Hi, Mary. I listen to you every day, every morning. <laughs> and I, I want to contest the um, bicycle lanes. Um, I'm a senior senior, and I raised four kids, and our our outings every weekend was exciting and to go to Stanley Park. Yeah. You know, we packed up Grandma and the four kids, made a lunch, we had an old 46 Dodge, and no money. You know, there's a <laughs> lot of people around like that, that Stanley Park is like a, a wonderful outing. Sure. We had some wonderful times there, and I and I know the road, I know the area well because I lived there for so long, and I, I can't imagine all those bicycles riding that road along the park. So if they can find another route, yeah, through the trees, don't take the trees down. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful place. I hate to see it. Um, thank you, wait. thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary, for the call. Yeah, thanks, Mary. As, as Stanley Parks. Obviously, you know, it's called the jewel of Vancouver for good, for good reason. It's part of many people's childhood and such, which is why it, it does elicit a lot of emotional responses to issues like bike lanes or t- knocking down a couple trees here and there. You're going to get people's blood pressure up. Squeeze in one more. Graham and Marpole. Graham, you got 30 seconds. Hey, Mike. <clears throat> called a bunch of times about this. Uh, I'm part of the five-person uh, human rights hearing. It's been going on for two and a half years. Um, what I would say on the, is on the bike lane, right? Against against the bike lane. Yeah, go ahead. Yep, yep. There's a new sheriff in town. Things are going to be different. I want the bike lane to be open in Stanley Park. But our human rights hearing, and I have to be clear about this, is it includes Beach Avenue. Beach Avenue is essential for the park to work and downtown to work for traffic. Uh, 
So, like I say, <clears throat> things are going to be different, and we're asking for them to open up Beach Avenue as well. And Thanks for the call. Keep- Thank you for the call. This is the he's part of the lawsuit. Uh, that was brought by people with disabilities who are saying that the bike lane discriminates against right. them because they yeah. can't ride a bike into the into the park. Yeah, and essentially he's now advocating Beach Avenue be part of the the whole. Yeah, park. because you know a, the bike lane clogged up a lot of uh, a lot of arterial roads in mm-hmm. the West End and, and parts of elsewhere. Unforeseen, Keith, unintended consequences. He thanks a lot. Talk tomorrow.